It's Portugal. It's Uruguay. It's South Korea. And it's Ghana. It's Group H. And it's the 2022 FIFA World Cup in Qatar. It's the International Soccer Preview by Soccer Files Canada. Hello and welcome to the International Soccer Preview by Soccer Files Canada. I'm Kevin. And I'm Connor. Uh, we're doing a group-by-group group preview in this series, and this media cast is looking at Group H of the World Cup, made up of Portugal, Uruguay, South Korea, and Ghana. Uh, yeah, and this series will be followed by our next one, which is a team-by-team team look at the players uh, of each team. And then shortly before the Cup, we'll be doing another podcast series, uh, or sorry, media cast series, with final updates on both of these. Yeah, so this series features a deep dive into the World Cup Finals history of the teams. Uh, for a deeper dive still, you can check out any of the nine media cast series we have done so far. And we'll talk more about that at the end of this episode. Now let's look at the three sections we will cover in this media cast. So we begin with a look at who is in the group, which pot they came from, their colors and nickname, and some geographical information about each country. Uh, comparing how big each country is in relation to the others in the group. Part two is the longest section, a team-by-team overview, and that includes a quick review of their participation and major achievements, an overview of their World Cup and Regional Cup histories, a deep dive into their World Cup finals history, and we'll also give particular attention to their recent tournaments and games. And we end with a summary of each team and a sense of their current form as we lead into a comparison of the teams through their FIFA and ELO rankings, head-to-head meetings, and the odds on their success. Uh, That will launch us into into a discussion of their prospects and our predictions. Right, and at the end, we'll provide our uh, address and the link so that those who want to delve into more history on the teams uh, can check previous media casts. Uh, There is, by the way, a YouTube version of this and a podcast version. Uh, They're the same broadcast, but the YouTube version has simple graphics to follow while one listens along. These can also be found uh, along with other things in the show notes. All right, what shirt are you wearing, Connor? I've got a South Korea shirt on, (laughs) so topical for this group. All right, well, I'm sure I must have had uh, a South Korea shirt because I lived there for a while, but uh, I couldn't find one, and uh, it's probably too small even if I could. Uh, So I'm wearing red uh, just to uh, represent Canada, but also red for South Korea. That's my story, and I'm sticking with it. All right. (laughs) All right, let's jump into part one and uh, get an overview of each team. All right, so the pot one team in this group is Portugal. Uh, they're known as, as the Selecao de Quinas, or which refers to the five shields or the, the team. Um, yeah, team, uh, this, the, I guess, the selection of players for Portugal. Um, they were the eighth ranked team in the FIFA rankings at the time of the draw. So they uh, that put them in pot one, but just barely. They're, they're the bottom ranked of the pot one teams, other than Qatar, of course, who are the hosts. Um, okay. And in terms of their jerseys, they wear red and green, uh, reflecting their flag. 
red shirt and green shorts. You bet. Okay, moving on to part two, Uruguay. Yeah, uh, Uruguay is a part two team. Um, they come from the middle of part two, being ranked 13th at the time of the draw. And their nickname is La Celeste, or the sky blue, which is the same as the color of their kit. All right. And uh, where were they in part two? Uh, from the middle of the pack. Oh, okay. All right. Well, part three is... Uh, South Korea. Um, the Taeguk Warriors. Um, South Korea is from near the bottom of part three. Uh, they were ranked 29th at the time of the draw, um, and were seventh of the eight uh, eight teams in pot three. Um, and they wear uh, red, as uh, I'm demonstrating here for our YouTube viewers. Right. I think uh, Red Devils is really the name of their uh, fan club, but uh, Taeguk Warriors. And at the games, you'll hear them chanting. Uh, do you know what their chant is? Dehan Mingu. Dehan oh, Mingu. That's what you... Uh, are hearing you probably just hearing like rawr, 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 rawr. <laughs> and what does that translate to uh day means big or great and min means people and han they call uh, their own country hangu so han is like their founding dynasty and uh gook means country so basically it's the people's republic of korea i think is, is what it boils out to oh very interesting mm-hmm and where are they from in pot three? Uh, they're from near the bottom, um, okay. seventh of eight of the pot three teams. All right. Well, uh, okay. We'll comment on that uh, a bit later on. Ghana is the fourth team. Sorry that I stole your lines. No, that's all right. Uh, Ghana, the pot four team, they're known as the Black Stars, although they wear white. Um, and Ghana, um, I guess you could say it's from the middle of pot four, but they actually are the lowest ranked team um, in the World Cup. Uh, heading into this tournament. Um, yeah, so 60th overall at the time of the draw. Right, named after the black star on their flag. So uh, judging by what you said about the pots there, this seems to be about the weakest group. Do you think so? Yeah, looking at where teams come from in the pots, you basically have, kind of with the exception of Uruguay, who are kind of from the middle of their pot, but still the bottom half. All the other teams are kind of from the bottom of their respective pots. So um, I think it's competitive, but yeah, I think you could argue that it is it is the weakest, that it was potentially a favorable draw for all of these teams. Right. Well, we'll get into that uh, more at the end of the podcast. Uh, and for now, we'll just move on to a look at each country. Yeah, so beginning with uh, Portugal. Um, Portugal's in the southwest um, of Europe. Um they're uh, one of the smaller countries and actually the smallest country in this group by uh, geographical area at 92,000 square kilometers. And they have a population of about 10 million people, which ranks them 24th out of the 32 uh, countries competing right. in the World Cup. Next is Uruguay. Yeah, Uruguay is also a relatively small country. It's on the Atlantic coast of South America. Um, it's 176,000 square kilometers, which ranks 19th. Um, but they have one of the smallest populations, just 3.6 million people, the third smallest country um, in the World Cup by that measure. Uh, South Korea? Yeah, South Korea uh, is uh, the end of a peninsula um, in East Asia. Um, South Korea, 100,000 square kilometers, um, is just slightly larger than Portugal and 22nd overall. 
but it has one of the bigger populations, ninth overall with uh, 52 million people. Okay, and finally, Ghana. Right, uh, Ghana is a country in West Africa. Um, at 238,000 square kilometers, it's the largest country in this group, but it's still among the um, kind of the, the smaller half of countries in the World Cup, um, 17th overall. And population of 13 million is kind of right average, um, 16th out of 32 countries. All right, well, uh, all of them fairly small geographically and uh, all but South Korea fairly small population-wise too, hey? Yeah, South Korea, 52 million people is actually the largest by quite a bit. You then have Ghana at 13 million people, Portugal 10 million, and Uruguay the smallest at just 3.5, 3.6. Okay, well, Uruguay have done really well for a country that size. Okay, let's move on to part two, and our first country that we'll be looking at will be Portugal. And um, we'll start with an overview of their participation and achievements. So, uh, in terms of participation, they're actually one of the most consistent teams in the world. Uh, they missed the World Cup in 1930, but participated consistently ever since, and they entered the first Euro Cup, so they've never missed an edition of that. Wow, very impressive. Mm -hmm. uh, that they are a force in recent time uh, belies the fact that they were a minor team in the previous century. Uh, they reached the World Cup only twice before 2002. That was in 1966 and 1986. It's the same in the Euro Cup as they qualified only once from 1960 to 1992, reaching the Cup in 1984, uh, which parallels their 1986 World Cup appearance. From 1996 in the Euro Cup and 2002 in the World Cup, they have never failed to qualify. They have generally done better in Euro Cup play, and that shows in their best results. Uh, third place in the 1996 World Cup, but first in the 2016 Euro Cup, their first title win. Uh, that's right. I'm sorry, that should be uh, uh, third place in the 1966 World Cup. Oh, okay. All right, well, that brings us to a World Cup overview. So, um, as Connor said, uh, they've only qualified for a couple of uh, uh, for a couple of um, tournaments before 2002. They didn't actually come close to qualifying before 1966, but uh, they did make an indelible impression with their third place finish there in England. Uh, Eusebio stole the spotlight there with a thunderous nine goals, helping them to the third place finish. Uh, they had several close qualifications after that, but didn't pass the group stage. Uh, a golden generation uh, came around in about 2002 and led them to a fourth place finish in 2006. Uh, that generation was led by Luis Figo, and they had already made themselves known in the World in the Euro Cup by that time, and in fact were uh, a bit slow, the golden generation, to make an impression in the World Cup. Anyway, they qualified consistently from 2002 and peaked in 2006 with that fourth place finish. And they did well uh, renewing that golden generation with another strong generation featuring superstar Cristiano Ronaldo uh, leading campaigns that usually saw them pass the group stage. All right, let's move on to the uh, deep dive into their World Cup finals history. So part one of three covers 1934 to 1986. 
Uh, despite entering their first cup in 1934, they didn't come close to qualifying uh, for 32 years. 1966 England was their first cup and they made the best of it. Eusebio was their star, but he didn't score in their opening 3-1 win over World Cup regulars Hungary, where Portugal got their first uh, World Cup goal just two minutes in. His uh, first goal, Eusebio's, was the second goal of game two, a 3-0 win over Bulgaria. Portugal had secured passage through uh, the group stage, uh, but they didn't stop. Heedless of their weaker reputation, they beat Brazil 3-1, Eusebio scoring twice there. Amazingly, uh, this is the only post-war tournament where Brazil was knocked out at the group stage. In the quarterfinals, they were paired, uh, Portugal that is, were paired with the darlings of the tournament, North Korea, who took them by surprise with a goal in the first minute and then two more by 24 minutes. So 3 nothing down. Uh, Eusebio got two back before the break. In the second half, he scored two more before the hour mark. Four goals in a row, uh, with a teammate adding a late goal to beat the East Asians 5-3. In the semi-finals, they faced host England, but Bobby Charlton put them to the sword with goals at uh, 30 and 80 minutes. Eusebio scoring there on a late penalty. And then he scored another penalty in the third place match with USSR, which Portugal won 2-1 thanks to a late winner. So Eusebio walked away with the golden boot, nine goals, four of them on penalties, and the next highest scorer getting just six goals. But glory left as quickly as it had come, and Portugal didn't qualify again until 1986, although their campaigns were more competitive. 1986 Mexico saw them qualify in second place, together with group winner West Germany. The tournament started well with revenge on England in the form of a one nothing win. However, they fell to Poland by the same score. Uh, an impressive Morocco beat them 1-3 in their third game and their good start crumbled to a last place finish, partly a result actually of conflict between management and players. All right, part two covers 2002 to 2006. Do you want to take us through that, Connor? Yeah, so Portugal entered 2002 with high hopes uh, on the back of a golden generation that had reached the semifinals of Euro 2000 and had taken them undefeated through qualification uh, over Ireland and Netherlands. Perhaps taking the USA too lightly, they suffered an early goal at four minutes and were down 0-3 uh, to three by 26 minutes. They recovered one goal shortly after, but the odd similarity to the 1996 win over North Korea stopped there and there was no comeback. Uh, just one goal in the second half was as close as they came, and it was a 2-3 loss in their World Cup opener. They gathered themselves for a 4-0 win over Poland, a striker Pauletta getting a hat-trick. That brought them to Game 3 with host South Korea, with the group very tight. South Korea's Bak Ji-sung scored the only goal of the game at 70 minutes, knocking Portugal out. It was a very disappointing end for Portugal, but as in 1986, reports of poor management and player indiscipline off the field played a role. 2006 Germany would finally see the golden generation at their best. Their goal record in qualifying had been 35-4 and, and 5 against, and they scored at just 4 minutes in their first game over Angola. To the credit of the African debutants, it was the only goal of the game. Iran also proved solid, but Portugal broke through at 63 minutes, 
and a 21-year-old Cristiano Ronaldo put it away with a penalty at 80 minutes. It was a 2-1 win over Mexico as well, as Portugal won the group. The round of 16 game with Netherlands was a violent affair, uh, dubbed the Battle of Nuremberg. Though Portugal seemed more to blame, it started with a savage foul on Cristiano Ronaldo that went unpunished. By the end of the game, 16 yellow cards and 4 reds had been handed out. And during the game, Netherlands had seemed to lose sight of the fact that they were uh, a goal down. They pushed to find an equalizer for the last 20 minutes, but even their man advantage from 78 minutes onwards did not help. Portugal walked away with the win. The quarterfinal with England was no less dramatic. Uh, Portugal uh, again relied on dramatics, uh, disrupting England's flow until the game reached penalties, uh, scoreless despite England's dominance. In a replay of the 2004 Euro Cup quarterfinal, Portugal uh, won 3-1 on penalties uh, with goalkeeper Ricardo saving three of England's four shots. The game is famous for England's star forward uh, Rooney's expulsion, believed by many to be called by Ronaldo as much as the referee. His roguish wink over to his own bench upon the dismissal of his club teammate sent English fans into paroxysms. Uh, theatrics did not work on the French or the referee in the semi-final. Uh, Zinedine Zidane scored on a penalty at 33 minutes, and the French allowed Portugal very little in a more convincing win than the scoreline suggests. Uh, Portugal was also well-managed by Germany in the third-place game, uh, which they lost 1-3 to the hosts. Wow, that was a pretty eventful uh, tournament, 2006. Absolutely. Uh, part three of three covers 2010 to 2014. So uh, 2006 proved their peak with the uh, golden generation aging, and there were fears of an end to the era. However, Cristiano Ronaldo uh, forged on and was supported with a steady supply of new talent that saw them continue as a European force. In 2010 South Africa, a 7 nothing win over North Korea um, in their, uh, North Korea in their second ever tournament uh, was sandwiched by goalless draws with Ivory Coast and Brazil for a second place finish in the group. A 0-1 loss to eventual champion Spain saw them out at the round of 16. At 2014, Brazil was weaker still. Uh, things went from bad to worse in their opener against Germany. Uh, giving away a penalty was followed by an injury to a forward, then a second goal, then a direct red card to uh, key defender Pepe. In the end, uh, the result was a humiliating 0-4 loss. They were down 1-2 uh, to, to the USA in Game 2 when upstepped uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, who put in a gorgeous cross, which was headed in at uh, 90 plus 5 for a 2-2 draw. Uh, Ronaldo got the winner in their 2-1 win over Ghana in Game 3, but it was not enough to pass. The heavy loss to the Germans ruined their goal difference, and it was on that basis that USA, despite being tied on points, advanced in second. All right, well, let's see if they bounce back from that uh, group stage exit in 2014 with the 2018 Cup. Yeah, so I'll, I'll take us through that, beginning with qualifying. Um, Portugal showed very good consistency in, in a very weak qualifying group. Um, it included Hungary, Latvia, Faroe Islands, and Andorra. Um, they exchanged home wins with Switzerland, uh, who they finished ahead of on goal difference. And the run actually featured six wins in a row by goal margins of three or more. 
Um, at the World Cup, they tied Spain in a thrilling opener um, and also tied Iran. Um, but their second uh, game win over Morocco saw them through in second place in the group stage, uh, despite having been the top seed. Um, that 3-3 draw with Spain um, saw uh, superstar Ronaldo complete a hat trick uh, with a tremendous free kick at 88 minutes. Uh, and he was playing in Spain with Real Madrid at the time. Um, although they went undefeated in the group stage, um, it was a little bit unconvincing um, with the narrow win over Morocco and the draw with Iran. And it proves to win the round of 16 where they were knocked out by Uruguay, um, a disappointing result uh, for the defending European champions. All right. Well, let us uh, move on to the qualifying for this cup. World twenty World Cup 2022 qualifying. Yeah, so after a solid opening to their qualification campaign, they faltered at the end, uh, tying in Ireland, who they'd only beaten at home with an amazing comeback. Um, that was in their second last game. And then they lost to Serbia at home in the final game um, and bested by them, uh, finished second in the qualifying group. Um, Serbia scored in uh, stoppage time at the end of that game, which flipped the top of the table and saw Serbia advance automatically. Um, and it saw Portugal go to a playoff series. Uh, there they beat Turkey in a match uh, much closer uh, than the 3-1 scoreline suggests. And then they beat North Macedonia, who had knocked out Italy um, to reach the World Cup. All right, well, here they are. And now we will take a look at the Euro Cup uh, history. Uh, just as an overview uh, in this case. So uh, Euro Cup runs on a parallel track, although there was no uh, 1960s uh, qualification to match their 1966 World Cup uh, success. Uh, they came close several times, but succeeded in qualifying only in 1984. As in 1966, they made the best of it with a semi-final finish, but didn't qualify for the following two tournaments. Uh, their golden generation kicked off quite a bit earlier uh, as far as Euro Cup goes. They not only qualified for every cup since 1996, uh, but passed the group stage every time, a consistency that eluded them uh, in World Cup play. A peak in 2000 and 2004, with the semi-final and second place finish respectively, uh, justified their golden generation. An even higher peak in 2012 and 2016, with another semi-final, uh, with another semi-final, and then another title win, uh, justified the following generation too. Yeah, I just want to make note of that second place finish in 2004. Uh, that was as hosts when they uh, lost to Greece. Greece, uh, surprisingly, in the final. What a tournament that was. Yeah, I'm sure they were uh, uh, already half celebrating as they went into that final, but yeah. Greece snatched their glory from them. All right, well, Connor's going to take us through the uh, most recent Euro Cup in 2020. Yeah, so um, in terms of qualifying, they started with two home draws, uh, one against Ukraine, uh, who eventually bested them, and the other against Serbia, who finished third. Um, they otherwise beat Luxembourg and Lithuania, uh, to finish second in the qualifying group, uh, that was still good enough uh, for automatic advancement to the finals. Um, at the tournament, they were drawn in a tough group, um, but won their opening game against Hungary. They then lost to Germany and tied France um, to finish third in the group stage and first among third-place finishers for an advancing spot. 
Um, that game with France was a rematch of the previous final. Um, third place in the group, however, paired them with a tough opponent in Belgium uh, in the round of 16, and a loss there sent them out of the tournament. Right. Uh, they also finished third place in 2016, if you remember, Connor, when they tied all three games. And that was in a much uh, weaker group. I, Hungary might have been there as well. Actually. Yeah, Hungary was there, Austria, and uh, I'm not sure, Iceland maybe? Albania, somebody like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, well, uh, that is it. We'll take a look now at their recent and upcoming games. Um, do you want to talk us through that? Sure. Um, yeah, one note actually is, even though it was uh, this time last year, um, in 20, September 2021, they actually played a friendly in Qatar and won 3-1, um, and then played a friendly at home with them, which they won 3-0 as well. So interesting that they met the hosts. Yeah. Um, but since then, they had four games in June as part of Nations League A play. Started with a, a draw in Spain, um, and then was followed up with a 4-0 win over Switzerland and a 2-0 win over Czech Republic uh, before losing in Switzerland in a reverse fixture. So two games to go, and they have two wins, um, a draw, and a loss um, still to play Spain at home, though. Right. Um Okay, I was going to look up where they stand in the uh, group night now, but it, it doesn't uh, matter that much. Uh, let's take a look at their World Cup schedule. Yeah, so Portugal opens against Ghana. Uh, they then play Uruguay in their second match, and they finish against the Koreans. Okay, and did we mention upcoming games? I think they only have a, a, the Nations League and a friendly uh, scheduled with Nigeria in a place that is yet to be determined. Yeah, other than the Nations League game, just that that one friendly on the schedule. Yeah, so a lot of uh, a lot of uh, teams seem to be playing in UAE or kind of a similar a similar climate to uh, Qatar. So I imagine that one will be uh, in the Middle East. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's move on to Uruguay. Uh, starting with an overview of their participation and achievements. And uh, while the um, Copa America has so many games that I actually had to cut a few out of the graphic. Uh, okay, their first international game was in uh, 1910, and they are a senior team having competed in and actually even hosted the 1930 World Cup. They're also the most participatory nation, having entered the South American Championship from its beginning in 1916, and missing only two editions in 1925 and 1963. Uh, that is fewer than any other team in the longest running football tournament. And that plaudit would be unassailable had they not missed the World Cup in 1934 and 1938. Uruguay are the most successful soccer country in the world if size is factored in. The nation of 3.5 million people has a record that only the largest countries can aspire to. They have two World Cup titles. They were also the most successful Copa America team until 2021, uh, when Argentina equaled their record of 15 titles. Uh, Brazil, by comparison, have nine. Wow. That is impressive. Yeah, definitely a country that punches well above their weight. <laughs> yeah, 3.5 million. Unbelievable. Okay, well, we're going to do an overview of their World Cup history. So uh, uh, they are the... Um, 
third strongest team in South America, as far as the World Cup goes, at least, but they are arguably even better. Uh, they certainly were the strongest in the early years, winning two out of the first four World Cups, and that included a win over Brazil in Brazil in 1950. Their two titles equals Argentina's record, but Argentina's three second-place finishes, uh, with these being more spread out, kind of trumps Uruguay's record in the World Cup. And neither, though, come close to Brazil's five titles. They've never won the World Cup after 1950, but they have finished third four times. Uh, sorry, uh, they have finished fourth three times in 1954, 1970, and 2010. So they hosted and won the first World Cup in 1930, but withdrew in protest from the next two tournaments in Europe. Uh, they won a second title on their second entry in 1950, beating host Brazil, as we said. Uh, success came in waves after that. They reached the cup twice in a row from 1966 to 1970, and again in 1986 and 1990, and their best result uh, there was a fourth place finish in 1966. And as mentioned, they finished fourth in 2010, which has also begun another wave of success lasting to the present. In between those successes, though, were lulls, and those lulls grew each time. So the most recent one from 1994 to 2006 saw them fail to reach the cup three times and get knocked out of the group stage in the other uh, in 2002. All right, now for the deep dive into their World Cup finals history. And um, we've divided this into four parts. So Connor is going to cover part one, uh, 1930 to 1950. Great. Uh, so Uruguay negotiated with FIFA to have the first cup in South America, uh, which was likely a concession by the Eurocentric FIFA uh, to get the South Americans on board. It was an arduous trip for European teams who had to travel by boat. Uh, jumping ahead a little, Uruguay was unwilling to make the reverse trip in 1934, uh, in retrospect, a decision that other South American teams wish they had made since they were all knocked out after one game um, and they did not travel to Europe in 1938 in protest of FIFA not living up to their commitment to alternate cups between the two regions. But back to 1930, and Uruguay had the huge advantage, uh, especially over non-South American teams, of hosting. They were also arguably the strongest South American team, winning three of the previous six Copa Americas, uh, however, not the 1927 and 1929 versions. In their three-team group, they opened with a tight 1-0 win over Peru. However, they showed their strength with a 4-0 win over Romania, all goals scored uh, just after the half-hour mark. Yugoslavia got the first goal in the semi-final, but Uruguay uh, struck back and it ended with a 6-1 win uh, Pedro Sea earning a hat-trick. In the final, they were down 1-2 to Argentina at halftime, but Sea led the comeback with an equalizer at 57, and Uruguay emerged 4-2 winners. As mentioned above, they didn't defend this title in Europe, missing the 1934 and 38 World Cups, but they participated in Brazil in 1950. They had qualified automatically because Ecuador and Peru had withdrawn from the uh, qualifying group. In the cup, they were placed in a group with three teams uh, due to the withdrawal, the withdrawals of qualified teams Scotland, India, and Turkey. 
France, who had failed in qualification, were invited back in and initially agreed, but it became a group of two when France withdrew. So it was a group of two with Bolivia. Uh, they smashed Bolivia 8-0, uh, Oscar Miguez getting a hat trick, uh, and they had easy passage to the second group stage. There they tied Spain 2-2 and then came from behind against Sweden to win 3-2. The third match was effectively a final since the winner would top the group, um, but a tie for Brazil would be enough. Post-Brazil was confident having crushed Sweden 7-1 and Spain 6-1 in their previous two games. Brazil dominated early, but Uruguay survived the onslaught, onslaught uh, going into halftime nil-nil. Brazil scored early in the second half at 47 minutes, but Uruguay tied at 66. At 79, Alcido Guija uh, surprised the home Brazilians with another, and it turned out to be the winner. A famous match called Maracanazo, um, it remains a, a, a deep wound for Brazilians, but it made Uruguay the best team in the world with two of the four World Cup titles. Wow, and they hadn't even entered the other two. All right, well, part two deals with uh, 1950 to 1970. So, uh, sorry, 1954, I should say. Their defense of this title, uh, the 1950 title in 1954, uh, started with a 2 uh, nothing win over Czechoslovakia. Uh, the 1954 World Cup in Switzerland, by the way. It was a 7 nothing demolition of Scotland in Game 2. And uh, in the strangely structured tournament, they did not play the other team in the group, Austria, uh, who actually finished second behind them. The quarterfinal saw a 4-2 win over England. The semifinal was considered the game of the tournament, pitting the two strongest teams in the world together, Uruguay having never lost a World Cup game, and Hungary giants of Europe, and it didn't disappoint. Hungary got the only goal of the first half at 13, but doubled the lead early in the second half uh, at 46, immediately as the half began. That seemed enough, until Uruguay's uh, Juan Holberg scored at 75, and then at 86, to push the game into extra time. It remained tense for about 20 minutes, uh, 20 minutes, but uh, Hungarian star Sandor Coxis scored at 111 and 116 to hand Uruguay their first World Cup loss. Uh, they also lost to Austria in the third place match and had to settle for fourth place there. Uh, Uruguay grew weaker after that, failing to reach the Cup in 1958 and only reaching the group stage in Chile in 1962. They opened well with a win over Colombia, but lost 1-3 to Yugoslavia. An equalizer at 54 in Game 3 against USSR would not have been enough, but their doom was sealed when USSR scored a winner a minute before the end of the game. They made something of a comeback over their next two tournaments. England 1966 started with a goalless draw with the hosts, in the opening game of the tournament, to the disappointment of 87,000 fans at Wembley Stadium. In game two, Uruguay beat France 2-1. Another goalless draw, this time with Mexico, saw them through in second place behind England. The quarterfinal was tight with West Germany, down a goal at the half, a red card at 49, and then another at 54, put them at a huge disadvantage. And though they held on until uh, the 70th minute, 
Franz Beckenbauer broke through and the Germans eventually won four nothing. All right, part three of four deals with 1970 to 2006. 1970 in Mexico also saw Uruguay pass the group stage. A 2-0 win over Israel was followed by goalless draw by a goalless draw with Italy. Despite a loss to Sweden on a goal at 90 minutes, they advanced in second to face USSR. That went scoreless in regular time and looked as if it were going to penalties until Uruguay scored at 117 minutes to win. They were no match for Brazil in the semi-final despite scoring the opening goal um, as it ended a 1-3 loss. Uruguay lost to Germany in the third place match on a single goal and it was fourth place as it was in 1954. 1974 in Germany started a weak period. They earned only a 1-1 draw with Bulgaria in the cup and that on a late equalizer, um, but lost 0-2 to Netherlands in the opener and 0-3 to Sweden in the third game. They failed to reach the 1978 cup in neighboring Argentina, a huge disappointment as it was close to a home tournament and they failed also for Spain in 1982. 1986 was in Mexico again, and Uruguay faced West Germany in their opener. Uh, they scored at four minutes and looked to win on that goal alone. However, West Germany scored at 85 minutes to tie. The second game was humiliating. A 1-6 loss to Denmark and a red card at 19 minutes exacting a high toll on Uruguay. They didn't seem to learn their lesson though and took a red card at one minute in their next game. Um, however, Scotland failed to take advantage of it. Scottish manager Alex Ferguson, and that's the Alex Ferguson, um, had left Captain Graham Souness out of the game, not even on the bench, and later called it his biggest mistake in football. Uh, another interesting detail was Uruguay's manager's quip that his team was in a group of death, and this term has since become well known to the point of overuse. Although Uruguay passed the group uh, stage in third place, they lost to um, to eventual to the eventual champions um, uh, Argentina in the round of 16. 1990 in Italy opened with a goalless draw with Spain. They then lost 1-3 to Belgium. It looked as if the tournament would end in disgrace as they went scoreless through their third game against South Korea. However, a late winner not only won them the game, but earned them third spot in the group. They came fourth of six among third place finishers, so that was the last advancing spot. But it meant a very tough pairing in the round of 16 with host Italy, and they lost 0-2. Uruguay failed to qualify for the next two cups and entered their worst period in World Cup history. They did qualify in 2002, uh, though a playoff with, uh, through a playoff with Australia but failed to pass the group stage. There were good moments after an opening 1-2 loss to Denmark. Uh, notably, they tied France goalless in game two and contributed to knocking out the defending champions who finished below them in the table. They found themselves 0-3 down to an impressive Senegal at halftime, but did well to fight back to a draw, the last goal coming two minutes from time. However, two draws only earned them third place um, so they did not advance, and failing to qualify in 2006 uh, made it a dark period. All right, well, part uh, four of four begins with, uh, uh, runs from 2010 to 2014. So never out of form for long, uh, Uruguay returned in 2010 with what turned out to be a strong generation 
led by manager Oscar Tavares, who actually managed the team from 2006 all the way to 2021. Uh, the tournament began with a goalless draw against France in 2010, and in game two, they faced host South Africa and were primarily responsible for making them the only World Cup team host never to pass a group stage, uh, beating them 3-0 there. A 1-0 win over Mexico, uh, Luis Suarez scoring the only goal, uh, saw them take first place in the group. They beat South Korea in the round of 16, scoring the winner at 80, but the game with Ghana in the quarterfinal went into extra time after a 1-1 draw, uh, Ghana's goal coming on a shot from 40 yards out. Ghana was the last African team of, uh, left in the cup, and all hopes that the continent would assert itself in this cup rested on their shoulders. At the very end of the game, Ghana made a push and should have scored a late winner, except that it was blocked on the line by the hand of the roguish Luis Suarez, who gladly took a red card for it. It still looked good for Ghana to advance, though. Asamoah Gyan stepped up to take the penalty, but he hit the crossbar. The game immediately went to penalties, where Gyan bravely, uh, bravely uh, converted Ghana's first shot. But the Africans missed their third and fourth, while Uruguay missed only their fourth and advanced. Africa was furious, calling Suarez a villain, while Uruguay celebrated himself as a self-sacrificing hero. Uruguay went on to play Netherlands, to whom they lost 2-3. to uh, Out in 1970, they faced West Germany in the third-place match. The Germans won again, this time on a late winner at 82, although Uruguay's Diego Forlan almost equalized after that with a shot off the crossbar. Forlan should be Uruguay's memorable player of the tournament. He was tied for the Golden Ball Award and won the Best Player of the Tournament Award, uh, usually given to a player on the winning team. However, it is Suarez who is bur burrowed into the memories of 2010, Uruguay's third, uh, fourth place, uh, their third fourth-place finish in World Cup history. Uh, perhaps it is because Suarez outdid himself in 2014. Ironic because the term uh, the term came out of Uruguay. They were they were indeed in a group of death in 2014, together with Italy, England, and Costa Rica. A true group of death really is when one or more of the big teams are going to be knocked out of the group stage. So it's kind of misused uh, recently. Uh, Costa Rica was the fourth team and were viewed as something of a sacrificial lamb there. However, Uruguay opened the tournament with a loss to them. Having missed game one due to a knee operation that many thought would put him out of the cup, Luis Suarez single-handedly dismantled England in game two, scoring both goals, the winner at 85 in an infuriatingly brash goal, putting himself off, well offside and counting on the luck of a long ball brushing off an English head to play him onside. Suarez featured in the subsequent win over Italy, uh, not, not the one scoring the only goal of the game, which came at 81, but for sinking his teeth into, into the back of an Italian defender two minutes before the goal, um, and perhaps more so for getting away with it. It was Italy who received the only red card of the game, 
and Suarez didn't even see a yellow for his action. Uh, while maintaining it was a collision, he had twice before been charged with biting. Regardless, the group of death lived up to its name, eliminating both England and Italy and uh, Costa Rica unimaginably winning it. Uruguay had scaled their mountain and finished uh, second in the group stage. Suarez actually did come in for punishment after the game. He was handed a nine-game ban and was not available for the round of 16 match with Colombia. Though they lost 2-0, uh, Cup star James Rod or James Rodriguez scoring both goals, uh, the final stage only a fizzle to the fireworks of an amazing group stage. Uh, and now let's turn our attention to 2018 in Russia. Great. Yeah, what a memorable tournament for Uruguay yeah, there. It really was. Um, for the 2018 World Cup, Uruguay finished second behind a very strong um, Brazil team in the, uh, the qualifying table. Um, they were actually in the top three throughout the campaign. Uh, the road record um, was unimpressive, um, and they actually went through kind of a poor spell. Their strong home record, uh, where they won um, seven of their nine games, really saw them through. Um, in the tournament, um, Uruguay won all games and allowed no goals uh, in a relatively easy group stage um, that uh, included host Russia, Saudi Arabia, and also uh, Egypt. Um, how? Oh, so, um, yeah. In the round of 16, they went on to beat Portugal, um, but um, however, they were kind of left somewhat bereft. Um, after the loss of their striker uh, to injury um, against eventual champions France, uh, and France knocked them out 2 nothing uh, in the quarterfinals. Um, and it was uh, Edison Cavani was actually um, the player who was out injured. He scored both their goals for their win over Portugal, but um, unable to play through an injury against France. Um, yeah, they kind of looked a bit blunt and, and lost 2 nothing. Yeah, we'll talk a bit more later whether they're a bit uh, over-reliant on uh, Cavani and Suarez, but that seems to have been the case here. Yeah. All right, moving on to 2022 World Cup qualifying. Let's see how they got here. Yeah, so it was a bit of an up-and-down campaign for Uruguay. Uh, they were in third place in the table at, half, at the halfway point, but then fell to seventh after four losses in a row. Um, three of them, though, uh, to be fair, were against Brazil and Argentina. However, they recovered with four wins at the end uh, to finish third uh, of ten in the uh, South American qualifying group. So that's actually pretty good. Uh, they're only behind Brazil and Argentina, who are well ahead, so they can be considered the best of the rest. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hard to say what form they're coming in with, with, you know, the inconsistency shown in their, uh, in their qualifying campaign, hey? Mm-hmm. All right, let's turn our attention to their regional uh, performance. Uh, so uh, the Copa America, uh, their success holds in the Copa America too. Uh, although the periods actually with uh, strength in the World Cup do not coincide that well. Uh, overall, they lead the region, as we've said, in Copa America wins, tied with uh, 15 titles, along with Argentina, who caught up with them uh, just uh, last year, and Brazil, who have nine. Eight of Uruguay twins were as host, and they have won every time they hosted. Uh, the history of the South American Championship is very long, as they play every year or two. 
uh, even during the wars from 1916 onwards. Uh, they played every year or two until uh, 2001 when they, they kind of made it every every four years. Uh, Uruguay won six of the first 10 South American championships from 1916 to 26 and almost always came in the top two until 1942. After that, they slipped to third or fourth with a low of sixth place in 1949. 1959 had two tournaments, and they finished sixth in the first and won the second. From then until the mid-80s, the cup was every four years, and they won three of the six cups, including back-to-back -back wins in 1983 and 1987. From 1987, the cup went back to every two years. Uh, they won in 1995, beating Brazil on penalties in the final, but had a fairly flat period after that. In 1997, for example, they were grouped with the three weakest teams in South America, but they lost to Peru and to host Bolivia to fall at the group stage. Um, they finished third in the group stage four tournaments in a row from 1999 to 2007. So even a second place finish in 1999 masks an overall week period. However, a fourth place finish in the uh, 2010 World Cup uh, started a resurgence in Copa America that was followed by a title win in 2011, giving them the lead in the title count. This continued, uh, or they continued this good period by reaching the final stage of every major competition, including the 2013 Confederations Cup, um, except when they failed to pass the group stage of the 100-year anniversary of the Copa America in 2016. All right, well, let's move on to see how they've done in their two most recent cups. Uh, it's um, uh, back to two years recently, so uh, 2019 and 2021. Yeah, there is no qualifying, um, but uh, 2019 uh, saw a 14-group stage. Uh, they thrashed Ecuador 4-0 uh, in their opener, but then only tied um, Japan's youth team. Now, that's the team Japan sent for this tournament. Um, but they then beat Chile to take first place in the group. Um, they were expected to beat Peru in the uh, quarterfinal, um, but they tied 0-0 um, and uh, lost on penalties. And Peru actually will go on a, a run all the way to the final. Um, so, yeah, out of the quarterfinal, stayed on penalties, um, bit disappointing for Uruguay there, especially going into that game as favorites. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Peru is nominally a weak team, but they do sometimes kind of uh, uh, spike up and surprise. All right. How about the 2021 Copa America? Yeah. So this featured a, a five-team group. So um, Uruguay lost their opener to eventual champions Argentina. And they tied Chile next, but they then beat Bolivia and Paraguay to finish second in the group stage. Um, as with the previous tournament, um, they uh, went nil-nil in the quarterfinals and lost on penalties. Uh, this time it was to Colombia, um, but it's a back-to-back -back, uh, quarterfinal exit. Difficult to take, uh, losing mm -hmm. on penalties, of course. All right. So, yeah, not, uh, not great results there in the recent uh, Copa Americas. And then uh, let's take a look at their recent games. Um, uh, go ahead, Connor. Yeah, so they had a couple friendlies in June. 
Um, they won three nothing in Mexico, um, which is quite impressive, and then tied nil nil in the United States. Um, and then they also beat Panama five nothing at home. So those were kind of three games in June, um, all against the North American teams where they performed well. Um, then they have a couple of friendlies coming up in September. Um, first in Iran, then in Canada, and then they play Syria in a friendly in the United Arab Emirates just before the World Cup. Right, trying to climatize themselves. Uh, so they may schedule uh, one or two more friendlies before that time, but that's all they have uh, on the on their dance card for now. And uh, what does their World Cup schedule look like? So Uruguay begin with South Korea. They then play Pot 1 Portugal in their second game, and they play Ghana in their third match. All right. All right, well, we move on to our third team, South Korea, uh, beginning with an overview of their participation and achievements. So um, they are a senior team in Asia, uh, having participated in the World Cup in 1954. Surprising, actually, given that their country had only just ended a war. Uh, they entered almost every World Cup thereafter, and they missed only twice. In, in 1958, their entry was not accepted, and in 1966, they didn't uh, join, uh, instead joining the general boycott. Oh, no, actually, they didn't join the general boycott, but uh, withdrew for a different reason. So they and North Korea didn't join that boycott. Um, as far as the Asian Cup goes, they participated in every edition from its start in 1956. In terms of achievement, uh, Korea's impressive record of reaching the World Cup in 1954, that every time since 1986, is arguably as important as their having finished fourth in the 2002 World Cup, which they co-hosted. In the Asian Cup, they won the first two editions, but the title has eluded them since. Yes, it has. All right, well, let's take a closer look at the uh, World Cup history, just beginning with a, uh, an overview before we take the deep dive. So after reaching the Cup in their first World Cup entry in 1954, they didn't qualify again until 1986, twice knocked out by teams outside of Asia, uh, Yugoslavia and Australia at the last step. Since 1986, they've qualified every time, usually in convincing fashion. But despite impressive success in reaching the Cup, they remained winless in five World Cups and over 14 games through to 1998. But usually they picked up a draw. Their unimaginable success when they hosted, finishing fourth in 2002, strengthened the team in general, and they have earned points in every Cup since. They only ever passed the group stage again in 2010, though. All right, and we'll take a closer look at that uh, as we take a deep dive into the final. So we've divided this into four parts, and part one of four deals with 1954 to 1986. So uh, yeah. yeah, Korea's 1954 World Cup consisted of being thrashed twice. Uh, they were unfortunate to be paired, uh, actually, with the strongest team in the world, uh, Hungary, and their uh, nine, zero to nine loss is still the greatest margin of defeat in World Cup history. It was not much better in the second game, a zero seven loss to Turkey. Perhaps blessedly, they did not have to play eventual winners, West Germany, who were also in the group. Uh, the strange structure to 1954 saw just two games at the group stage. 
it was a humiliating cut for South Korea, uh, though this early participation did establish them uh, as a veteran World Cup team. Qualification in the region is quite interesting, but it's not uh, in the purview of this series. Um, World Cup finals are the focus, and they did reach them again, or they did uh, not reach them again until 1986 in Mexico. There they opened against eventual finalist Argentina and did well actually to score a consolation goal in a 1-3 loss. A 1-1 draw with Bulgaria followed for their first World Cup point, uh, thanks to an equalizer at 70 minutes. Uh, they brought it to a 1-1 draw just after the hour mark against Italy in their next match, uh, but South Korea ultimately lost 2-3. Though out of their depth once there, South Korea would qualify for every World Cup uh, from 1986 onwards. All right, and uh, part two of four deals with 1990 to 1998. So 1990 Italy saw them lose all three games. A 0-2 loss to Belgium was followed by a 1-3 loss to Spain, whose right midfielder Michel scored all three goals. Uh, once again, game three was more competitive. Despite a red card at 70, South Korea kept Uruguay scoreless until the South Americans snatched victory on a goal uh, in injury time. USA 1994 opened with a 2-2 draw with Spain. Despite a red card at 26, Spain scored a quick brace at 51 and 55. But uh, Hong Myung-bo uh, got one back uh, at 85 minutes and South Korea earned the draw on a goal at 90. They tied Bolivia in their uh, Bolivia, who was in their only World Cup appearance there, uh, that was in Game 2, uh, going scoreless with Bolivia. South Korea threatened another impressive comeback against Germany in Game 3. Down 0-3 at halftime, they scored at 52 and 63 to come within a goal, but they couldn't improve on that and lost 2-3. In 1998 France, South Korea was up on Mexico at halftime, despite taking a red card at 30, just three minutes after the goal. They paid for it when Mexico scored three goals in the second half, and then they suffered a 0-5 loss to Netherlands, managed by Goose Heading. Uh, do you know him, Connor? Yeah, he would go on to uh, manage Korea in 2002. And just interestingly, I've uh, just uh, updated him in my files. He, he has been managing, I think you know he was with Curacao, Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, oh, yeah, he was for the uh, last Gold Cup, but I think he got sick and wasn't actually involved, or actually Curacao didn't end up taking part in it. Uh, right. They were ravaged with COVID. Yeah. Yes, and uh, now he's the manager of Iraq. Oh, really? Yeah, a real uh, guy. We've only mentioned a few of the teams he's managed. Anyway, uh, he was managing Netherlands at the time, and uh, Korea suffered a 0-5 loss in Game 2, uh, but they salvaged some face with the 1-1 draw in Belgium in Game 3, um, but uh, did not pass the group stage. And uh, Part 3 of 4 is devoted solely to their great success in 2002, yeah, so it had been four World Cup group stage exits in a row for South Korea, and they were anxious to get more out of the tournament they co-hosted in 2002. Uh, they recruited the services of Dutch manager Goose Hiddink, as we mentioned, who worked not only on the tactics of the squad, but also had to force uncomfortable changes in the culture of the team. For example, he noticed the older players ate at the cafeteria with other older players, 
and young players with other young players, and he found it was that way on the field too. He thus forced them uncomfortably to all eat with each other and work as a single unit. He had little problem with their willingness and he made the best of their motivation and unbelievable energy on the field, and it all came to fruition in the cup. South Korea opened the cup with a 2-0 win over Poland. They next played the USA, who got the scoring, uh, who got the opening goal at 24 minutes. South Korea missed the chance to level uh, on a penalty at 40 minutes. The shot was saved, but they earned a draw on a goal at 78 uh, by the dashing An Jung Hwan. They still needed something from the last game to advance, and they got it, winning over Portugal on a goal at 70 minutes by the industrious Pak Ji Sung. They went on to play Italy in a contentious round of 16 game that included nine yellow cards. Italy scored at 18 minutes and led for most of the game until South Korea scored a glorious equalizer at 88 minutes. In extra time, Italy's Francesco Totti took a second yellow card for diving, having earned the first yellow on a nasty elbow, uh, elbowing incident that might have actually been a red card in itself. As South Korea then scored a golden goal at 117 minutes, An Jung-Hwan the hero again uh, to end the game. Italy railed against the unfairness of it all, and Italian club Perugia cancelled the loan deal An had been on for two years the following day. Uh, South Korea went on to play Spain, uh, which went scoreless into penalties. Spain missed their fourth penalty, but South Korea scored all of theirs, uh, Hong Young-Bo, now captain, taking the winning shot. After two games that went to extra time, the hosts were noticeably tired in the semi-final game with Germany. The Europeans were not at their best either, but scored the only goal of the game, subjecting South Korea to the third-place match, um, an exciting and good-natured affair uh, that Turkey won. Turkey also surprised to be there. Mm -hmm. uh, fourth place was more than South Korea dreamed of and gave them confidence going forward. What a, what a memorable cup. It was. It was for me. Uh, we thought... Um... I actually moved to Korea partly because we thought the World Cup would be in Korea. We thought uh, Korea's history, uh, longer history, would earn them the World Cup rather than Japan, who were also bidding for it. But as you know, they, they went for a joint tournament. But I was living there at that time. So I was actually at the USA game there and uh, with your brother at the Spain game, too. That would have been unbelievable to be at the game that saw the, the host Korea get to the semifinals. Yeah, that penalty shootout especially. The crowd was so loud. Yeah, the whole country really got behind them. Yeah, yeah, very exciting time uh, to be there. Okay, well, part four of four deals with uh, since then, from 2006 to 2014. So um, uh, that performance did not reflect uh, so well in 2006, where they fell at the group stage. Uh, it was not a... Um, it was not as bad as uh, pre-2002 World Cups, though. They beat Togo 2-0 and followed that with a draw against France, who eventually reached the final. Uh, a loss to Switzerland in Game 3 left them in third place and out of the Cup. So uh, they were kind of a stronger team in general, although they didn't pass the group stage there. Uh, but that same record, uh, a 1-1-1 record, saw them through the group stage in 2010. Again, they opened with a 2-0 win, this time over Greece. Uh, they lost 1-4 to Argentina in the second game, but a 2-2 draw with Nigeria saw them through. The quarterfinals saw them lose 1-2 on a goal at 80, both of Uruguay's goals scored by Luis Suarez. 
Uh, passing the group stage built their credibility as their two, uh, 2002 success had been put down to home advantage alone. However, 2014 felt like a return to their pre-2002 uh, pre tournaments. They opened with a draw against Russia, but lost to Argentina and Belgium for a last place finish. So let's see if they bounce back a little bit in 2018. All right, we'll begin with qualifying. Um, so Korea received a bye in the preliminary round and then won all their games in an easy round two uh, where Kuwait were disqualified uh, and Lebanon was the next toughest opponent. Uh, in round three, um, a 16 group stage, uh, they were unconvincing, um, actually going winless on the road. Uh, they were bested by group winners Iran, lost away to China and Qatar, uh, Qatar who finished last, and tied away games with Syria and Uzbekistan. However, they suffered only a draw with Iran at home, winning all the others, and it proved enough to secure second spot and automatic qualification. Uh, in the tournament, a defense depleted by injury and an opening loss to Sweden boded uh, for a grim tournament with stronger opponents yet to come. A loss to Mexico was followed by a glorious win over Germany, though, uh, not only holding Germany scoreless, but beating the defending champions uh, thanks to two injury time goals. Um, a German win would have seen them through um, had Sweden not upset Mexico. Uh, oh, sorry, a win would have seen Korea uh, through um, had Sweden not upset Mexico, who were very grateful uh, for South Korea's help. Uh, that was an extremely tight group um, that ultimately saw Germany on the bottom with, I think, every team having the possibility to advance. Yeah, when it, going when it was the going point. into the third game, uh, yeah, every team had a chance of advancing. But uh, I got to say, uh, would you take not passing the group stage and uh, beating Germany uh, over, uh, uh, you know, losing to Germany but uh, passing the group stage? Tough to say. Um I mean, I think after the, the first loss, I mean, I think you want to get past the group, um, but I think that the win over Germany, um, even though they didn't advance in the group, has to go down still as one of their uh, their most famous victories in their history, given Germany was the defending World Cup champions. Yeah, yeah, definitely kind of another uh, feather in their hat there. All right, well, we saw that they were pretty weak on the road in 2018 in the final group uh qualification group let's see if they did any better in 2022 yeah so again they didn't have to play in the preliminary round um and then they put in a fairly consistent performance um that saw them finish first in their round um round two group um that was a group of uh five teams uh though north korea withdrew um and then in the uh the final round um they did tie second place oh sorry um um, in the final round, they bested Iran, um, which is quite impressive, um, but an opening tie at home with Iraq and a final game loss in the UAE saw the more consistent Iran win the group. Um, but second in the final uh, qualifying group saw them automatically qualify. Uh, they were never really in danger of not qualifying. Um, they were uh, a full 11 points ahead of third place UAE. Um, it was really just a battle with Iran for first where they ultimately came up short. Yeah, and I think they've lost that battle now four, four times in a row, but they had it in their hands here because uh, uh, in, uh, going into the final game, they were in first place and and uh, they lost to uh, 
UAE, so kind of threw it away there. Yeah. All right, well, let's take a look at their uh, Asian Cup history, just in overview. And um, South Korea's Asian Cup history record is actually less successful, um, especially in recent years. They won the first two editions in 1956 and 1960, uh, but victory has escaped them since then, uh, despite consistently being one of the top four or fewer teams uh, to reach the Cup from 1986 onwards. Uh, three second place finishes from 1964 to 1992 is contrasted by three non-qualifications. Yikes! And uh, they placed third in 2007 and 2011 and eked out, uh, eked out that much closer with the second place finish in 2015. Uh, they're long overdue for a win um, if they're to be seen as uh, Asian powerhouses. Here, let's see if they finally did it in 2019. So 2018 World Cup qualifying made up the first two rounds of qualifying for the Asian Cup. Uh, so the first place finished in round two. Um, in, in that week group, saw them qualify automatically. However, it was a disappointing exit in the quarterfinals for a team that some felt were favorites to win the tournament. Um, an inability to score goals proved their downfall. Uh, in the group stage, they had meager 1-0 wins over weak Philippines and Kyrgyzstan um, and then seemed to have solved their problem somewhat with a 2-0 win over China. Um, finishing first in the group stage, um, still with no goals against, um, set up um, a round of 16 map with Bahrain. Um, that one went to extra time, um, which Korea won, but it served as a warning sign um, as they struggled to score against eventual champions Qatar won on a single late goal. Um, Qatar would go on to, uh, as I said, win that tournament, but quarterfinal exit, so not making it to the final four um, would be disappointing for South Korea, for sure. Right, but uh, that did reveal a long-standing problem, actually, of, uh, of where their goals come from. So mm -hmm. um, that kind of may be an issue coming into this cup. All right, well, let's take a look at uh, recent and upcoming games. Uh, over to you, Connor. Yeah, so they had a couple friendlies in January of this year. That was a, a big 5-1 win in Iceland and then a 4-0 win over Moldova. Um, then a string of friendlies in June. Um, they lost 1-5 to Brazil, but then beat uh, Chile 2-0 before tying Paraguay 2-2 in a trio of games against South American opponents. They then beat uh, Egypt 4-1 uh, um, at the end of June. Um, they had a couple games uh, in the East Asian Cup. Maybe, Kevin, you want to talk about that? Yeah, uh, well, I, I think it used to be a tournament that uh, Asians used to take uh, quite seriously and send their best teams to. Uh, now that uh, more players are playing abroad, uh, I don't think they send their top teams to this. But uh, South Korea is very successful in that tournament. And... Um, they beat uh, South. They beat China and Hong Kong, and then uh, lost to Japan. That might have been uh, the final there. I should have written what stage of the cup it was. But uh, anyway, in the summertime. But honestly, I doubt their uh, best players attended uh, attend this anymore. Yeah, and then in terms of upcoming friendly, South Korea have two scheduled. Those are home games with Costa Rica and Cameroon. Yeah, they are uh, in South Korea. And they haven't scheduled any uh, pre-tournament friendlies, but we, uh, we'll we talk about that in our update because I'm sure they'll have scheduled a couple uh, by then. 
All right, let's finish off then with the World Cup schedule. Yeah, so South Korea play Uruguay first, Ghana second, and then Portugal in their third and final group stage match. Ooh, do you think it is a, uh, a good setup for them? Potentially, if Portugal have won their first two games, which is, you know, maybe a, making an assumption there, but they may rest players in their final game against South Korea. So, um, yeah, probably in general, not bad to, um, to get the pot one team at the end. Yeah, there's always a possibility of that advantage when you're playing the pot one team uh, at the end. But then again, if Portugal drop points uh, along the way, then they'll be even more determined to win that game. Okay, let's move on to Ghana. And we begin with an overview of their participation and achievements. So their first international game was in 1950. And uh, Ghana first entered World Cup qualification in 1962 but they withdrew from the next edition as part of that African-Asian boycott. Uh, they also withdrew in 1982, but otherwise have participated consistently. 1962 was also the year they entered the African Cup, and that was the third edition of that cup, and they have never missed any since. In terms of achievement, it's best to start with African Cup play. They were a powerhouse early on, winning two cups in a row in 1963 and 1965, and going on to win four titles in all, uh, the others in 1978 and 1982. Beyond that, they have a plethora of top four finishes. Given that, Ghana was slow to reach their first World Cup in 2006. However, they reached three in a row from then, their best performance at quarterfinal finish uh, in 2010 in South Africa. All right. Uh, let's move on to just a general overview of their World Cup history before the deep dive. Uh, Ghana, Ghana's first entry into World Cup competition in 1962 saw them come close to reaching the World Cup, or at least the, uh, uh, an intercontinental playoff with Spain. After that, though, they disappeared from contention, twice falling at the earliest stage and even withdrawing from the competition in 1982. They didn't come close again until their first successful qualification in 2006. And as Connor said, that was very late given their uh, strong African Cup record. However, they made the finals the next three times and performed well, undone by bad luck more than weak endeavor. In 2006 and 2014, they were in groups of death, nevertheless advancing in 2006. 2010 was their best showing and they came within a moment of reaching the semi-final. Uh, it would have been it would have become the best performance ever by an African team, but it was foiled by trickery. Well, it's kind of a giveaway because we've already talked about it, but um, uh, we'll talk about it a little bit more here uh, as we look at their World Cup finals in detail. So uh, there's really just one part here from 2006 to 2014. So uh, as we've said a couple of times, they were long overdue for their first cup in 2006. An impressive qualifying campaign gave them promise to uh, uh, gave them promise going into the cup, but they found themselves in a group of death. They failed. Uh, sorry, they faced Italy, who eventually won the title. Czech Republic, who some had thought had a good enough crop that year to actually win the World Cup, and USA, who were coming off a strong quarterfinal finish in 2002. They lost 0-2 to Italy in the opener denied a clear penalty during the game. 
However, they beat Czech Republic by the same score, getting their first goal just two minutes in. A 2-1 win over USA saw them through in second place. They had done well to advance from the tough group, but they were unlucky once more, paired with defending champions Brazil in the round of 16. They were no match and they lost 0-3. They reached the next cup in 2010 and went one step further. This tournament began with a win over Serbia, who gifted them uh, a penalty and a late winner at 85 with a ridiculous handball in the box. Uh, A 1-1 tie with Australia followed. The third game with Germany pitted brothers on either side of the ball. Kevin Prince Boateng of Ghana versus Jerome Boateng of Germany uh, facing each other. Ghana lost on a single goal but advanced in second place and went on to beat USA in extra time of the round of 16 uh, to face Uruguay in a thrilling quarterfinal. Uh, well, Ghana was last. Um, I'll, I'll kind of go through this quickly because we described it above. Uh, it's the game where Luis Suarez stopped a shot on the line with his hand at the very end of extra time. And although he earned a red card, it ended up benefiting Uruguay because um, Ghana missed a penalty. And then the game went to a penalty shootout, which they lost. So a bit of a teeth gnashing end. Uh, to an otherwise excellent run for Ghana there. And Ghana went on to reach the 2014 World Cup, but there too uh, found themselves in a very tough group with Germany, who would eventually win the Cup, and Portugal, who were strong enough to win the following Euro Cup. And this time they fell at the group stage, managing only a draw, uh, albeit with Germany the strongest team. Ghana's internal problem, uh, internal problems actually contributed to the poor showing there. So there we have it. Let's see if they continue their their three-cup run, making it a fourth in 2018. Yeah, so they um, received a buy in the preliminary round of qualifying and then uh, were uh, pitted up against Comoros in a round two pairing. Uh, They tied away but won at home to advance. Um, In the 14 group stage, uh, they got off to a poor start tying Uganda at home and then they tied them away in their second last game, and by this time it was all over. They were uh, also bested by group winners Egypt. Um, they also tied Congo at home, uh, who they crushed in the away leg. And that actually was their only win of the round. They won just one of their six games to finish third in the group. Um, Egypt advanced to the World Cup, but Ghana did not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, tying three games at home is uh, pretty much a death sentence in Africa. Uh, Okay, let's move on to the 2022 qualifying. They're here, so obviously we're a bit more successful, but let's look at the journey. Yeah, so um, again, after getting a buy in the first preliminary round, uh, this time they went into a a four-team group stage. Um, They won all their games at home, um, but only beat Zimbabwe on the road, uh, losing on a late goal in South Africa and tying Ethiopia. The last game uh, saw them beating South Africa on a very soft penalty and had South Africa openly calling it match fixing because of that and other decisions. Um, South Africa actually fought hard to have the game replayed, um, but uh, they were denied. That result, however, saw Ghana leapfrog South Africa, uh, tying them on points and goal difference, but on the base, some more goals scored, finished first in round two of three. Um, so just narrow margins there. 
Um, in their round three of three, this was a, a home and away playoff against Nigeria, uh, who was favored. Um, but uh, Ghana tied uh, both legs and actually went through on the away goals rule. It was nil-nil in Ghana and 1-1 in Nigeria. And that is what saw Ghana um, get to this World Cup. Yeah, a really ugly surprise for Nigeria there, who were uh, actually a team that looked quite good. And, uh, you know, Ghana uh, uh, was on a, on a fairly poor run of form. So a real surprise there in the final. In the playoff, I should say. Yeah. Okay, well, that uh, brings us to the uh, a look at the African Cup history in an overview. So uh, their poor world record until 2006 is mystifying in the light of their African Cup record. Uh, they failed to qualify in their first entry in 1962, but won the following two Cups and came second in the two Cups after that. In doing so, they blazed the trail for Western African teams. Um, but their record would blow hot and cold uh, over their history. They won two more tournaments in 1978 and 1982, but otherwise got knocked out from the group stage or didn't reach the tournament six times uh, between 1972 and 1992. From 1992, where they took second place, they had become consistent, not only in reaching the cup, but in passing the group stage. They failed to qualify only once in 2004 and fell at the group stage only twice in 1998 and 2006, the latter being the year of their first World Cup qualification. From 2008, they did particularly well, finishing in the top four six times in a row. However, another title has eluded them. Uh, let's see if they managed to get one in the recent Cups, 2019 and 2021. Yeah, so they did qualify for the 2019 uh, Cup. They lost in uh, Kenya early in the campaign, but moved, uh, but proved more consistent against Ethiopia, uh, beating them twice. And then they took first place in the group stage by beating Kenya uh, in the last game. Um, actually, Sierra Leone was there, but were disqualified. Um, at the tournament, um, Ghana tied Benin in their opener, then Cameroon, before beating Guinea-Bissau to take first in the group stage. However, they lost in the round of 16, um, Benefiting actually from a late own goal by Tunisia, uh, which helped bring the game to penalties, but there they lost 5-4 um, to Tunisia, so early exit for them. Out on penalties. All right, let's see if they uh, did any better in the 2021 African Cup. Um, so, yeah, Ghana won all uh, uh, home qualifying games. Um, on the road, they only beat Seo Tome and Principe. Um, they lost to second place Sudan and tied third place South Africa, but um, nevertheless finished uh, first in the qualifying group. Um, in their in the tournament, it was an, an eventful tournament for Ghana. They lost to Morocco in their opener and then tied Gabon, who scored on a late equalizer, uh, which led actually to a bit of a brawl. An early yellow card in their third um, third game, actually, I think it was a red card. Yeah. Um, an early red card in their third game against Minos Comoros led to a loss, uh, and they disgracefully finished last place in the group stage. Um, Ghana getting just one draw, losing their other two, um, and uh, yeah, not advancing. Um, the other three teams in the group did advance, so Ghana was the only team from that group not to. 
Yeah, it was a red card to uh, Andre Ayew, a pretty harsh one. He kind of uh, slid in on what I thought was a 50-50 ball uh, with the goalkeeper. Um, and uh, that was uh, resulted in a red card, which actually left him uh, off the team for the um, uh, playoff games with Nigeria, at least for the first one. Yeah, that loss to uh, Comoros was really shocking. It was Comoros' first ever tournament um, and their first ever win at an African Cup. Um, it was a late winner against Ghana too, and it just kind of def- deflated Ghana. They were expected to do much better. Oh yeah, they're going out of the group stages. Uh, uh, it's a real disaster for them. Well, actually, uh, we have uh, started qualification for the 2023 Africa Cup, and we also have done uh, a preview of all the teams. I was happy we did that in the sense that we got to look at some of the smaller African teams. <laughs> Uh, in that series of podcasts. But do you know this, Connor, that the tournament has been postponed now till 2024? Oh, I did not know that. Is that recent? Yeah, uh, they came to the conclusion that it's too hot to play in Africa in the summertime. That's why the African Cup has always been in January. So scheduling it in the summertime in the Ivory Coast was, uh, um, you know, was uh, a bit of a mistake. Yeah. Yeah, I know they did that to kind of appease some of the European clubs who complained about players going missing in January, but yeah, you know, playing in the summer is not much of an option. Yeah, I mean, unless they do it in, in uh, you know, South Africa or a cooler part, but definitely in Western Africa, um, uh, not a viable option. So uh, that actually does lead us into the next part because they, they were scheduled to play a couple of... Uh, uh qualification games in september but they put those off now until after the world cup uh but just to um uh i forgot to put the qualifying in here but ghana has uh won one and drawn one uh and and a currently atop the group in there in their 2023 african cup qualification i think actually those two games are here yes yeah it was a draw with central african republic on the road and then a home win over Madagascar. Yeah, how about their other games? How have they been doing? Yeah, they, they played in a in a friendly kind of tournament called the Kirin Cup in Japan. That was in June. Uh, they lost 4-1, or 1-4, sorry, um, to Japan in their opener, and then uh, uh, beat uh, Chile in penalties after a nil-nil draw. Um, Ghana actually got two red cards in that game, 67 and 80, 78th minute, but still went to penalties and still won so good for them yeah and i got a question for you if you get a red card in a friendly does that uh does that influence your next game and do you know? um that's a good question i i believe it does i i think um but yeah interesting i guess with some of those friendlies particularly the ones right before the world cup yeah um, you wouldn't want to get a red card in one of those games no. if that's the case yeah yeah. Okay. Well, upcoming games, as I said, those two uh, African Nations Cup 2023 qualifiers were uh, postponed until next year. Uh, and uh, they've replaced them with uh, a friendly uh, in England um, with Brazil and a friendly in Spain with uh, Nicaragua. And uh, in the UAE, they've scheduled one pre tournament game. Uh, with Switzerland. So again, both teams uh, looking to acclimatize themselves there. Uh, how about their World Cup schedule? 
Yeah, so Ghana begin with Portugal, so possibly their toughest game first. Then they play South Korea and Uruguay in their final match. Right, and I should just go back and say we didn't talk about the African Nations Championship uh, qualifying games they played in the summertime, but uh, that's because it, it's, it, it has to be played with players based in Africa, so uh, generally not the players who are going to be involved in the World Cup. That's why I kind of grade them out there. All right, well, that brings us to the uh, part three, part three, uh, where we begin with uh, the summary of each team, um, just as kind of a warm-up and leads us into a discussion of their prospects, their ELO rankings and FIFA rankings, their odds and their head-to-head histories, and then we're going to talk about it a bit and see uh, what we think. So let's begin with a, a summary of uh, Portugal. And uh, a recent summary uh, kind of talking about their form. So, uh, right. Portugal, in summary, they had three good periods. 1966 was a spike, though only in World Cup play. The second was around 1985, where they reached both World and Euro Cups. And their third period is much longer, extending from 1996 in Euro Cup play and 2002 in World Cup play, but which has continued until the present day, uh, led by a strong team captain by Luis Figo in the early period and Cristiano Ronaldo in the latter part. Uh, Euro Cup play has been more consistent than World Cup play, with some lapses in their World Cup history, but uh, greater consistency in the Euro Cup. Uh, They've reached impressive peaks in both, with third and fourth place finishes in the World Cup, but first and second place finishes in the Euro, as well as three semi-final finishes, most of them in recent times. Uh, despite all those plaudits, though, their regular second place finishes in qualifying, often reaching cups through a playoff, is a bit disconcerting. Uh, we could say the same about the third place finishes Uh, in the the last two Euro Cup groups, actually. Uh, Given how weak a team they were in the previous century, there's a looming fear that they will not so much return to that, but uh, fall from the strength that recent generations have blessed them with. Portugal's Euro Cup strength, uh, longer and more consistent, has yielded better results, and it is too soon to say that a uh, round of 16 finishes uh, in 2020 is a sign of decline. However, second place qualification behind second tier team Ukraine and Serbia are the types of results that make them seem less like them, uh, less than a top team uh, despite some top level tournament finishes. Um, even getting to this cup as we saw was by pretty narrow margins. The 2022-23 Nations Cup League A results gives a similar impression. With Ronaldo reaching retirement soon, there is question as to whether they will maintain that form although they did address that uh, same problem well when uh, the previous golden generation retired. All right, that is uh, Portugal in a nutshell. And now we'll give you the same uh, kind of nutshell for Uruguay. So Uruguay has had amazing success, especially taking into account how small the country is. With just 3.5 million people currently, they have a record that's the envy of most big countries. They have two World Cup titles and three fourth place finishes besides, and they have 15 Copa America titles, uh, as many as Argentina and more than Brazil. Though it was uh, stronger in the early years, 
They had two World Cup titles coming in 1930 and 1950. Uh, also impressive is the duration of their strength. They have had low periods, but never missed more than two World Cups in a row and always seem to return with a team capable of passing the World Cup group stage or winning a regional title. Three times uh, they've come out of a lull to pass two or more World Cup group stages in a row. That's in the late 60s, in the late 80s, and then from 2010. That recent strong period is ongoing, but it peaked with a fourth place finish in the 2010 World Cup and a Copa America title in 2011. It's the fruit of a strong generation that's now aging, though. The question being whether they will face another lull or can renew it quickly enough to remain competitive near the top. The recent strong period saw a cohesive team under manager Oscar Tabarez, uh, with a memorable cast featuring Diego Forlan, Edinson Cavani, and the jewel or snake, depending on one's perspective, uh, Luis Suarez. That generation is aging out, uh, with Forlan long since retired and Cavani and Suarez both 35. Perhaps more significantly, manager Oscar Tabarez, who led the team for 15 years, uh, gave up the post in 2021. Results have nevertheless remained good, with some good younger talent coming to infuse the team. A quarterfinal finish in uh, 2018 kept that strong period going, even though there were worries of their aging even then. But quarterfinal finishes in the two most recent Copa Americas are ambivalent and leave one waiting to see if they can extend the successful period. All right. Uh, moving on to South Korea. Uh, South Korea's World Cup in 1954 was a disaster in terms of results, but it put them on the map as the most senior of Asian teams. Uh, if that is arguable, winning the first two Asian Cups and their consistent qualification for the World Cup since 1986 bolster their claim. Uh, for the first three of these, uh, the Asian region was afforded only two spots and it was South Korea plus a different team every time. Their fourth place finish in 2002 is by far the best result of any Asian team in the World Cup. Though none can match that, other teams have caught up South Korea has not won an Asian Cup since 1960, and Japan seems to have surpassed them in recent times. At the global level, South Korea are doing as well as can be expected. The Asian region is comparatively weak, but passing the group stage at the World Cup in 2010 and beating Germany in 2018 earns them some reputation. However, Japan did pass the group stage and have won the Asian Cup. And Iran beat them in World Cup qualification uh, once again in 2022. Saudi Arabia is returning to, uh, to form and Qatar has emerged as a threat. South Korea is long overdue for another Asian title and not winning one since 1960 is a stain on their record. They need a title there or another World Cup where they pass the group stage in, in order to stay at or near the top. It's a bit hard to put a finger on Korea's form. Beating Germany in 2018 was a big feather, but they failed to pass the group stage. They can't be blamed too much for losing to uh, juggernaut Qatar in the quarterfinals of the 2019 Asian Cup, but it is a result they need to recover from. Neither is evidence enough to support a dip in form, but nor is there evidence to support a claim to form. Yeah, and I would say uh, we, we, the issue of their uh, difficulty of scoring goals came up uh, uh, when we were doing the podcast. So 
kind of add that to their recent form as well. Okay, finally, Ghana. Uh, in summary, their most outstanding feature is a disparity between their World Cup performances and African Cup play. They seemed almost feeble in World Cup play until 2006, but in fact had won four African Cup titles uh, between 1963 and 1982, suffering a lull after that, but resurging in the early 90s. 2006-10 was a strong period in the World Cup, but they were unremarkable then in the African Cup. But just as their World Cup success was winding down in 2014, they looked a top team in African Cup play, finishing in the top four, six times in a row between 2008 and 2017. Ghana's strong period ended in 2017. 2018 saw them fail to reach the World Cup for the first time since 2002, and 2019 ended their run of top four finishes at the African Cup as they reached only the round of 16. Worse still, they failed to even pass their group stage in 2021. However, successfully reaching the World Cup in 2022 shortly after kind of leaves their current form in limbo too. All right. So in summary of the summaries, it kind of seems like all four teams are uh, in a bit of a limbo. Do you think so? Yeah, I think there's uh, there's question marks for all of them. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I think it makes it an interesting group. We've seen some some impressive rise in, rises in form, but also some dips in form. And then, you know, looking at some players aging out, you know, notably Ronaldo and Suarez, you know, those have kind of been the uh, the leading lights for their team. So, um, yeah, I think you put it well um, when you said uh, that, yeah, it's kind of hard to put a finger on kind of all of them. Yeah. Oh, well, we shouldn't uh, jump into the discussion quite yet because we have to look at the rankings. Uh, take us through that, won't you? Yeah, so the pot one team, Portugal, is currently ninth in FIFA um, and seventh in the ELO rankings. Um, they've kind of been they've been top ten in both both of those rankings um, really since 2016 uh, when they won um, uh, that European Championship. Yeah, and honestly, really since uh, since the golden generation uh, from uh, from around 1996, to be honest, I mean they dipped below. Uh, 10th only uh, around 2008, uh, but otherwise have pretty much been in the top 10. Yeah, Uruguay, um, the pot two team, they're 13th in FIFA and 12th in ELO, so that's really just a few points back um, of uh, Portugal. Um, they've kind of been in that mark, definitely a top 20 team for a very long time, sometimes popping up into the top 10, but usually not staying there for any length of time. Uh, yeah, you put it well. I, I, I think um, they're definitely a team to be reckoned with, but uh, a bit hot and cold at the same time. Okay, um, how about South Korea? South Korea is 28th in FIFA and 26th in ELO, so again, fairly fairly good agreement um, between the two systems. Um, there's That hasn't always been the case, though. In, in December 2017, they were 59th in FIFA, but 25th in ELO. Um, their ELO ranking has fluctuated less, where they're kind of a top 30 team. FIFA tends to rank them a little bit lower, but sees a bit more movement up and down. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, recently kind of uh, higher than in the past. We saw that they were a, a weak team before 2002. And, uh, you know, around 2006, they were around uh, 50th. So uh, have kind of risen up. But um, 
uh, as you say there around 2014 um they were they were they were quite a bit lower all right and then ghana as a pot four team they're currently 60th in fifa which as i said is the lowest ranked um country among all 32 teams and they're even lower 74th uh in elo um obviously their poor african cups recently have seen them fall uh from where they were um kind of in their glory days in 2010 they were 16th in fifa and 26th in elo um and they've in in a way almost steadily fallen ever since um down to again 60th and 74th which is kind of a historical low despite reaching this world cup yeah i mean it may be a bit harsh in the uh you know as we saw that for six uh, african cups in a row they were in the top four so putting them in the 30s or 40s uh, may be a bit harsh but honestly like since then um they they really kind of deserve this ranking i mean apart from reaching this world cup which we saw was a bit of a surprise um mm -hmm. you know getting knocked out at the last uh uh, at the group stage of the last African Cup, uh, kind of hardly makes them worthy of being here. They did well to get here, but it was very narrow. As we saw, they only topped their group against South Africa on goals scored and then relied on away goals to get past Nigeria. So um, they're here, but it hasn't been uh, convincing, though. I will say beating Nigeria is, is still impressive, though, even if they didn't win one of those games. Yeah, I mean, but they, they were a really exciting team and, and uh, a good team to have at the World Cup in 2006 and 2010. So, I mean, if they can kind of recover a bit of that form, uh, they could be a, an exciting team here. Yeah, and we talked about aging stars with Portugal and uh, Uruguay, and, and we should mention the Ayu brothers, who have been very prominent for Ghana. They're, they're kind of aging out too, so Ghana also in need of some renewal. I mean, I should say for all of those players we've mentioned, the Ayu brothers and the, the uh, Suarez and Cavani and, and uh, Ronaldo too, like the teams are still fairly reliant on those guys to get their goals. And in fairness, they still are producing. Um, um, do, you, do you worry that they will kind of stop producing in this cup or do you think they've got one more good cup in them? It's tough to see. I think it's a, the last hurrah for many of these players that we've mentioned um so you know it, it's it's difficult to say i mean these players are still you know for the most part playing at good clubs you know they're still good players um but yeah i i think it's important that these teams start finding some replacements and whether they can or not is kind of the, a big question that they have to answer it is it is tough to say but uh, it actually may come down to to that issue as to whether their team does well or poorly yeah. Okay, again, we're jumping the gun a little bit there because we're supposed to look at head-to-head -head records, but that's uh, uh, kind of relevant for what we're saying because some of these teams have played each other recently. Uh, do you want to take us through the overview, Connor? Yeah, so Portugal versus Ghana, they have met once. That was a win for Portugal. Uh, that is right. That was in the 2014 World Cup group stage. So uh, Portugal uh, having a slight edge there. Ghana was uh, kind of um, on a bit of a downturn at that time. Yeah, Uruguay and Portugal have actually only met once, and that was recently. That was the 2018 uh, World Cup round of 16. Um, 
So um, that game was won by Uruguay. So they have the one win from one game in that record against Portugal. Yeah, I mean, we saw that they were close in the rankings with Portugal kind of having the upper edge, but uh, it, it sh shouldn't be overlooked that Uruguay knocked them out of the last World Cup. For sure. Um, Uruguay versus South Korea, it's two wins out of two for the South Americans. Right, the last meeting was in 2010 in the round of 16, and uh, Uruguay won that and their meeting in 1990, which is less relevant. Uh, Uruguay versus Ghana. Well, they've met once, and what a what a famous <laughs> game that was. That was in 2010, and as we know, uh, Uruguay won that game in penalties. Yeah, in the uh, in the histories version of the podcast, we uh, we talked about that game where um, Ghana was on the verge of winning, and uh, and Uruguay handled on the line and somehow pulled off the win. So yeah. uh, a bit of a grudge match here, I would imagine. Yeah, absolutely. This will be kind of their first chance at revenge. Uh, for yeah, Gatti. and a lot of the same players are actually still playing. And then uh, South Korea versus Portugal, they've met once. That was in the 2002 World Cup. And how did that game go? Uh, well, that was, a, that was the third uh, group stage game. And uh, South Korea uh, beat Portugal in that one. So that actually, you know, a lot of uh, Southern European teams were pretty annoyed with uh south korea in that tournament and and uh, portugal uh not as much as spain and italy but i don't think uh portugal have a lot of great will towards south korea i'm sure they would like to beat them in this tournament yeah they met in the third group stage game there in 2002 and they'll meet in the third group stage game here right right could be important too yeah yeah and then uh south korea and ghana they've never met so there is no history there Right. Okay. Well, it's kind of interesting that uh, the, those teams have met over the years. And now we're going to move on to odds. So the way we've done odds is uh, basically we're not encouraging betting here. We just want to see what the, uh, um, you know, what the professionals kind of think. So we took the odds from uh, five betting companies and we picked the, the three that were kind of uh, most divergent and uh, basically came up with this number. And the number describes... Uh, their percentage chances of uh, advancing to the group stage. So, sorry, advancing to the finals. So, of uh, finishing first or second. That's right. So, Portugal are given um, an 85.9% likelihood of advancing out of the group, which is lower than some pot one teams, but kind of to be expected given they're kind of just at the bottom of the pot one rankings. Uh, Uruguay have a 66% um, likelihood of advancing. South Korea are behind at 30.0% and Ghana just behind them at 29.8%. So uh, uh, Portugal and Uruguay, the most favored by the odds makers. All right. And uh, maybe we should begin the discussion there uh, based on whether you agree with those odds or not. What do you think? Uh, for me, this is a difficult group to call, and we, we, we talk a lot about the history. And of course, Uruguay, out of all these teams, has the most illustrious history. But you know, we're seeing kind of all these teams in a bit of transition, um, you know, transitioning, you know, maybe not transitioning out of good periods, but they're coming off good periods and there are legitimate questions as to whether or not that will continue. Um, so I, I find this group um, among all of them a little bit more difficult to uh, to predict because, you know, will Portugal and Uruguay and, and, you know, led by their great players have one last great tournament or has that kind of ship sailed a little bit 
Um, and if it has, if it has sailed, South Korea and Ghana are good enough to take advantage of it, right? I think so. Um, they put South Korea and Ghana as neck and neck. Um, I, I think South Korea come into this with a bit more optimism than Ghana. I mean, Ghana's poor form has been recent or has been poor recently. Kind of remains to be seen if that's just a blip. But I think coming into this, I would give Korea better odds than than Ghana, even though the odds makers put them at virtually identical. Yeah, me too. Uh, let's begin with Portugal, um, or or I'll kind of say my piece on Portugal. I agree with a lot of what you said. Uh, I think this group is is the hardest group to read in terms of predictions, and it could could kind of turn out anyway. Again, hinging on. Uh, whether those good players uh, uh, will perform as well as they have for their for their clubs, I think Portugal uh, uh, kind of has more uh, strength behind um, behind Ronaldo, so could make up for it if if he doesn't turn in a great performance. Uh, whereas Uruguay is a bit of a black box to me. Uh, I know a few of their players, but I don't really know how good they are because they've always been overshadowed by Suarez and Cavani. But I do think, I, I think 86% is too high for Portugal because I think there is the possibility of a lapse. I mean, we saw they finished third in their last two uh, Euro Cup groups. You know, they generally finish second in qualifying. So I think giving them uh, an 86% chance, 86% chance of advancing here is, uh, is too high. Do you have anything yeah, I mean, more on Portugal? I, I think you make good points. Even when they won Euro 2016, they, they finished third um, in their group and kind of got through as having one of the better third third place records. But I think it also showed the good side of Portugal in that they won that final with, with basically without Ronaldo playing in that game. Good and point. I think you 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 made up you made a good point. Um, I mean Ronaldo is the leader. Um, you know he's the all time record goal scorer in men's international soccer he is a player they lead, they look to but portugal has i think that the deepest team um in in this group they have good players playing um you know for top clubs manchester city um liverpool um they have a lot um clubs across europe in um you know real madrid and some of the portuguese teams that do well in european competition so i think portugal have a good team and i think they can kind of get by without their superstar uh, better than most of the other teams. So I would yeah. favor them to win the group. I think, yeah, probably, um, yeah, that 80 to 85% chance, you know, probably about right. I would see them going through four out of five times, but leaving the possibility that perhaps one out of five times they they would dip. Yeah. Uh, the only one I really agree with here is Uruguay, because if, if we say that's two out of three times they would pass this group, uh, I think that's right. I, I really worry about Uruguay kind of coming to the to the end of an era. And and whereas Portugal kind of had a weak period or just were generally weak in the last millennium and generally strong in this millennium, uh, Uruguay kind of undulates a bit more up and down. And losing the players they're losing, uh, I kind of feel that they might be moving into a weak period. I, I can't help but feel the same. And I think partly... Um, you know, they produce a lot of good footballers, but as a small country, they just in some ways lack the population to reproduce these players. And you see that with smaller countries, you see it with Wales and, and I think throughout history, you know, historically Portugal, but, you know, Hungary and, 
and Belgium and Netherlands, these teams aren't kind of as strong consistently as, as the bigger, bigger countries. Yeah. South America, it would be Brazil and Argentina, which are kind of always there. As a smaller country, I think Uruguay is prone to those fluctuations. They're prone to, you know, perhaps being led by some producing great players. Um, you know, their strong finishing third in South America is, is the qualification is quite good. Um, but I, I agree with you. I think they um, perhaps are coming to the end of a good period led by some very charismatic um, players. And whether they can renew that, I'm not sure. The, the signs now are that they, they will be weaker than they were in the past. Um, I would expect them to get out of this group. Um, but yeah, certainly yeah. perhaps prone to an upset, depending on how perhaps this, this generation does in their, their final. Yeah, game. I would too, two out of three times. So I, I kind of agree with the odds. I think a bigger loss than, uh, you know, if, if Suarez and Cavani don't show up, I think a bigger loss maybe. Uh, Oscar Tabarez missing. He's been the manager for 15 years, led them through a really good period. And uh, uh, I, I, I just, I mean, they're, they're a team like in kind of Wales and Canada. I put them uh, in the same boat, whereas they're a team that is kind of small, very tight, play as good as a team, are probably better than the sum of their parts. But with Oscar Tabarez gone, I wonder if that uh, may be gone uh, too. Yeah, I, I think it's that's a question mark, and this tournament could could really kind of um, show what direction Uruguay are are going in um, in future years. Yeah. All right, I myself see, uh, and I think you agree. I see South Korea as a bit higher than thirty percent. I would put them, uh, you know, kind of uh, close to Uruguay, so maybe 45 percent, because I think there's uh, not so much because South Korea is strong. I mean, they're fairly consistent. Uh, but just, uh, I think those cracks for, for Portugal and Uruguay uh, may be something that South Korea can take advantage of. Uh, Son Heung-min is not aging, so I don't think he's a worry. Uh, he's a, he's as much a worry as aging out as uh, some of the players we've talked about. Yeah, and South Korea, they're, they're seeing, I think, you know, they've always had a couple players playing on top clubs, I think. Some of their players getting a bit more exposure and, and are getting kind of some bigger moves, which is a good sign. Um, and and I think yeah, South Korea, you know they they showed at the last World Cup that they could take advantage of kind of a a, a faltering European powerhouse in Germany, and I think they could do that again here. I see it more likely than Ghana. Um, I, I certainly expect South Korea to get points. Um, you know, probably off one of Portugal or Uruguay, maybe both. Um, and yeah, I kind of see them, you know, possibly four points from this group. Is that enough to get through? Maybe, maybe not. Four points is kind of right on the fence. But um, in terms of Ghana, you know, we, we watched them in the, the most recent African Cup. They really were poor. They also have some good players playing on top clubs. Um, but I think for Ghana, they need a, a quick turnaround right before this World Cup. And I just don't see that as happening. Whereas you said, Korea are kind of consistently good even if they haven't quite asserted themselves in asia as they might might have liked to uh yeah i think uh one of the um one of the big concerns for for um uh south korea is where are they going to get goals from and and it's really too bad we've been watching the premier league and you know song hung min seems in a bit of a, a bit of a dry spell right now i was uh, looking as we were talking on the um 
uh, on the uh, on the internet for the for the Korean who played for uh, Stoke, uh, sorry, Wolves, or oh, Han Hee Chan, mm -hmm. uh, and I was all excited because he was uh, a midfielder, kind of being used as a forward, and I'm like, oh, if he could get a bit of practice, you know, scoring goals, and and uh, you know they they got a bunch of forwards, so he's not basically on the starting lineup anymore. And in that search, I actually found uh, Huang Yijou. And uh, do you know uh, him? Because I saw that he was uh, uh, with Nottingham Forest. I yeah, that was, him. I think, uh, a very recent signing. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I'm kind of hoping, you know, I'm kind of looking at these players thinking, can they get goals from these guys? Yeah. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, from what we know of club play, uh, they, they're all a bit dry. I see that Hang um, Weijo got uh, 29 goals in 94 games, so that's a very good uh, record with Bordeaux in France over the last three years. Yeah. Uh, but I, 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 in qualifying and, and especially in cups, what was the cup we looked at? 2019 Asian Cup, where uh, their biggest problem just seemed to be getting goals. Yeah. Uh, yeah, sorry about that, because uh, I droned on a bit. But uh, Ghana uh, is the other one I disagree with. I would say uh, they're about half as likely as South Korea, and we've talked about a lot of the reasons for that. Yeah, they've also uh, sacked their manager after their poor African Cup showing. So it's almost like they're trying to rebuild and change things right before the World Cup, and I just don't know they'll have the time to do that. They might surprise, um, but... You know, I, I, and they're capable of it. This is why this is a difficult group to predict, but I just see South Korea as a more likely. Yeah, honestly, you hit the nail on the head there for me. I think the biggest uh, element, uh, the biggest tool in their box is an ability to surprise. And we saw they, they uh, surprised Nigeria in the playoff that they were expected to use, but really just scraped through. Uh, it wasn't a, a huge surprise. What did surprise me there with Ghana uh, was that they were fielding players uh, uh, who had never, uh, who had no caps for the team. So, I mean, fielding players in an important game like that with no caps for the team, they still seem to be madly scrambling uh, to find a forward for the team. And they've they've uh, tried out a lot of players, and a lot of players have kind of come and gone. I'm talking very recently, uh, where they come in for five games and play, and then. They're, they're kind of dropped and somebody else comes in. A bit like USA with their forwards, you know. Mm -hmm. So I think this is a bad kind of state of mind uh, to be going into a cup with. And if you say they've replaced their manager too, uh, all of those things kind of um, uh, are negatives uh, for me. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, do you have anything more to say or should we move on to look at the World Cup schedule? Um, yeah, we can talk about their schedule, see if there's anything else that comes out of that. Yeah, I just want to add, actually, that, that uh, having said all we've said, all four of these teams uh, uh, have fireworks uh, surrounding some of their cups, you know, so uh, it could be a, quite an exciting group. And maybe the fact that we're not, uh, you know, we're not kind of confident in our, in our predictions uh, will be part of the fun. But hey, I, I forgot to uh, pin you down here. So uh, let's do the World Cup schedule, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna pin you down to an answer. Sure. The schedule? Any uh, any observations there? 
You know what? I mean, in some groups, we've 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 talked about a pot one team possibly resting players for a final game. Um, I don't see Portugal necessarily being in that position. You know, it would be South Korea. They play. I think this will be a tight competitive group. Points will be dropped. Points will be won. Um, so I don't really see really any um, advantage from the from the schedule. You want to win your first game. Portugal play Ghana. That's kind of the biggest discrepancy in the group. So you'd expect Portugal to get off to a winning start there. But yeah, um, yeah, I think this will be a competitive group. I think it's hard to predict, and I think it's 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 going to be exciting because teams are teams are capable. Teams have question marks around them. Um, you know, form is is kind of tough to read, but um, yeah, I'm very excited for this group. Yeah, me too. It could be a bit like that. Uh, it could be a bit like that 2014 group that Uruguay was in, where uh, Costa Rica kind of came out of nowhere uh, to win it. You know, like it could be uh, just very much go against expectations. And in fact, uh, the last two games um, could be could be like two of the most exciting third round games or one of the most exciting groups in the third round. Because as you say, I think there'll be points shared so that these two games will be very important. Yeah. All right. Well, Connor, I have heard you uh, dodge. I've heard you duck. Um, and now I, I, I need an answer. Uh, how is this group going to turn out? On the strength of their squad overall, I put Portugal in first place. Um, I, I'm going to say Uruguay for second. I'm going to go with the rankings and the pot orders. I'm going to say South Korea third and Ghana fourth. Uh, that's funny because that's exactly... <coughs> excuse me, hang on. That's exactly what I decided uh, for this group. I'm going to go with the rankings, but I think this group uh, has the most potential to not go according to the rankings. So I think it's a pretty fluid... Uh, a pretty fluid guess, and I wouldn't be surprised uh, really at anything that happened in this group. Yeah. Either yeah, lapses from the top two or stronger performances than expected from the bottom two. All right, well, anything to add, or should we sign off? Yeah, I think this is a good point to sign off. Um, yeah, those who are unfamiliar with our, our, our media cast might want to keep listening for some information uh, for further listening. But if you're turning off now, uh, goodbye, and uh, we hope to see you next time. Right, so stay, stay tuned if you want to uh, get a bit more information. Otherwise, uh, we will see you in our player podcasts. Uh, uh, we're doing one for each of the team and going through their players. All the best. Bye. Bye. Okay, uh, further listening. We've done nine different series of podcasts if you're interested in a deeper dive. Uh, some of the information may be dated, but some of the histories focus on different aspects of the team histories, so it can help you to get to know teams more intimately. Yes, as mentioned, this is our 10th series, and we have done at least one series on every region except Oceania. We have files for that region too, and we'll do one down the road so as not to leave them out. But let's go region by region. Uh, right. So Europe, our first series was a group by group podcast on the teams of Euro 2020. Uh, that was played in the summer of 2021. And uh, for South America, we also did a group by group podcast on the teams in Copa America 2021. For North America, we have done three series on CONCACAF. 
The first was a group-by-group podcast on the teams in the 2021 Gold Cup. That included a look at Qatar. The second was a preview of the eight teams in the final round of World Cup CONCACAF qualifying. That came with our first player series, where we went team-by-team through the players. The third was an update halfway through that qualification. Yes, and for uh, Asia, we did a group-by-group podcast on the 12 teams in the final round of World Cup qualifying, and that included a deep dive into each team's World Cup qualifying history. We have done three series on African teams. The first was a group-by-group podcast on the 24 teams in the 2021 African Cup, played in early 2022. The second, done around the same time, was a team-by-team series on the players for each of those teams. Third and finally, we have recently concluded a series on almost all teams in Africa, a group-by-group examination of the 12 qualifying groups for the 2023 African Cup. This included a deep dive into their African Cup history, which is quite extensive. This provides a look into some of the lesser teams that rarely even qualify for the African Cup. Right, and we realize that not everyone is interested in the level of detail that we go into. So starting from that series, the 2023 African Cup series, uh, we're editing our media media casts into shorter versions. Uh, Generally, for groups and teams, this will just be a summary summary, uh, and discussion segments of the longer podcasts. And for the player player ones, just the sections on the squad's overall strength and a list of the uh, main players that we expect to reach the competition. So uh, that's usually two or three groups per episode. Yes, otherwise each long version of the series contains a deep dive into the matter at hand. So if it's African Cup qualification, for example, it's a deep dive into the team's history of African Cup qualification. Or if it's the World Cup qualification, a deep dive into each team's history and qualifying for the World Cup. Right, and all of those podcasts can be found in our library at soccerfiles.captivate.fm. That's soccerfiles with a PH in the middle and an S at the end. And uh, we also provide a link to our website and other relevant material in the show notes for each uh, media cast. And in general, uh, to find us, you can type Soccerfiles Canada into Google and uh, it's easy to find your way from there. Or just check out the show notes for this or any of our media casts and it'll be easy to navigate uh, from there. Okay, see you in our future.